This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition of the show. Tonight it is Sam here with you. And Wayne. And tonight uh, Mark and Ian are taking the night off. And we're going to, uh, it's the, the night that the co-hosts take over and uh, run the show. It is still the show about your calls. If you make them, the uh, number is 603-435-1105. You can uh, call in and bring up anything just as usual. The amp lines are um, uh, in operation as normal. Uh, tonight we've got a number of stories that uh, we want to get into. Uh, Wayne, I know you're wanting to jump into some of the uh, financial news. So there's a lot going on with gold and silver prices around the world. Uh, there is also, this is uh, we're here in the Liberty Radio Network studios, which they have a new website, by the way, lrn.fm. If you uh, want to go check that out, um, but uh, we're, we've been doing some as part of Freekeen, which is another sort of website associated with Free Talk Live. Just you know, with the activists here that are that are, I'm certainly one of the bloggers there, and we've been going out to one of the local middle schools and doing some outreach. And this is something that it's it's been happening for quite a while, and normally we just go there and we. Uh, we hold up our signs. We um, share, you know, share little flyer warning flyers, reverse psychology kind of thing, where it says, "Do not visit this site and stay away from the guys at Freekeen. They're filled with hate." That sort of thing. <laughs> you know, all the truth about our message, or the naysayers would say, and uh, it, they're pretty uneventful. I mean, we uh, sometimes we get looks from the school administrators who are out there with their walkie-talkies and looking around and making sure that the kids are safe. You know. And getting on the buses and so forth. Well, last week on Tuesday, the normal day that we go, I, I went out there, was supposed to meet up with uh, three or four folks. We were going to have a larger crowd than normal. Normally it's me and two or three other people. And nobody showed up. So I had, I was on my bike. I had two big banners that were rolled up, really hard for me to open up by myself. And I had a sign, a, a poster board that somebody made that just said, School Sucks Podcast pretty simple message and you know it, sure it has the word sucks on it but these are middle school kids you yeah know, they, they've yeah. probably heard this before and you're assuming the kids could see it and maybe google it and find it exactly i mean these yeah. are these are tech savvy kids they're going to know if i don't know what something is go to the magic eight ball google and punch it in and uh, you know see what comes back well so one of the parents did not like it when i started holding this sign up and he came over to uh to talk to me what and, do you think he objected to the word he told me, yeah, that was exactly it. Well, now, if it said stinks, he wouldn't he wouldn't have cared? Oh, you know, I don't know about that, but he really objected. He's he told me that he was uh just couldn't believe that I was holding up this sign to these kids and uh you know, I I've looked at it and I've said, "What? School sucks podcast?" And he goes, "Yeah, that's a, that's a horrible message to present to these kids. You mm-hmm. you can't do that." Right. Well, maybe he needs to differentiate between school and education. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> what can you do there? It's hard for them to picture anything but the government sort of paradigm um, being in effect. And uh, so he, uh, you know, he asked me if I was going to stop. And I, I, I looked and I'm like, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. These kids, have, I'm sure, have seen this word by now because I've been out there every week and not a week has gone by that one of these middle school kids hasn't come by and dropped the F-bomb or, or worse and, you know, said all kinds of things. I've really actually been shocked by some of the things that I've heard out of these kids. 
So I asked the kids that were standing around watching this, hey, kids, have any of you never heard of the word sucks before? And uh, Did you say that in front of him? Oh, yeah, yeah. loudly, too. Okay. <laughs> And, you know, they didn't, none of them were, seemed shocked or anything. They say it on television, for goodness sakes. Yeah. And he said, well, I, I just, I don't like what you're doing. I don't think you should, uh, you should do that. So he turned his back to me, folded his arms and stood in front of my sign. Now, I was holding the poster board kind of chest high at this point. And, uh, you know, we're there on a public sidewalk. It's, it's his right to, to do that if he, if he wants to. And so all I did was just raise the sign up over his head <laughs> and hold it up behind him. Like a peacock. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I, you know, I think it's interesting that this guy is likely uh, a parent, you know, he has kids in the school. He's probably himself went through the, uh, the government public edu- school system. And this is how he deals with opposing viewpoints is when he runs into across something that he disagrees with his answer to sort of addressing that problem is to stand in front of the sign so that other people can't see what's going on. And uh, so this went on for a few minutes and I was just holding the sign over his head. Well, after a while, I uh, I just decided, hey, there were more kids coming out. I uh, yelled to him, hey, kids, this guy standing in front of me doesn't want you to know about school sucks podcast.com. Don't look at it. And so <laughs> he got a little uh, frustrated with that and that drew another parent over Another guy comes over and uh, he starts getting into it with me and he says that he is, uh, you know, very upset and, and uh, doesn't think it's right that I would show something, this kind of message to the, the children in the school and that it's just not right. And I said, well, you know, I don't even have kids in this school, but yet I'm still forced to pay for them. I don't think that's very uh, appropriate either. What what do you think? Well, his, his response was pretty much to uh, swipe at my hand. Oh, and, yeah, that must have made him mad. Huh? Oh, he got very upset. You yeah. know, he couldn't. And again, an, probably another product of the government school system, uh, learn, you know, not having any idea how to um, talk to people that you disagree with. And the, the common response is to lash out with anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it amazes me that people don't see that this, that, that the, the education system that they get, that the way that they're taught to learn to solve problems in the government schools doesn't carry out into the way that not only we uh, we do things in our jobs, but also how we interact with each other on a day-to-day basis. Well, let me ask you this. Now, you've looked back on the situation, and sometimes in hindsight, it's 2020. Is there anything that you thought after that you could have done or said that maybe would have made the interaction better or easier? Or I wish I would have filmed it was really mm-hmm. about all. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that would be good. You're right, uh, filming it. But... You know, I, I find when when I run into people like that, that if I can if I can find the right open probe to ask them, mm-hmm. it just it just freezes them in their tracks. Yeah, it's true. You know, there yeah. are the, the the one thing that I always try and think about when uh, I get somebody that's angry or aggressive coming up to me is they're mad enough to to care to do something. There are a lot of people out there who may think the same things that I do or, or different things that I do, and they don't care enough to even, you know, say anything about it to begin with. So these are people that are candidates if you can reach out to them and get past the anger and that sort of thing. Some people I think are just yeah, just want to be angry. I, I don't know what you can really uh Well, yeah, there, there are progress. there are people that are caught up in this dialectical uh, mindset that well, it's either this or that, that there's no other alternative. There's either government schools or no education and you're a dummy your whole life. And the fact is, is that they're throwing, how much per student do they spend in, in Keene for, for, uh, for education now? What we believe is it is, uh, 
you're saying Mark's given us signals here. 5,000? 5,000. Oh, 14,000 per student. Okay, that's that's about what I've been hearing. And that that is just the uh, that's the school budget. I, I believe they get additional funding from the uh, state as well. That's not in that number. And I think I think we came up with a figure that was like sixteen thousand four hundred for the schools here in Keene. That's high school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's still a lot of money. It's it's very it's ridiculous. Expensive. Meg went to a private boarding school over in England for less, and she was mm-hmm. getting room and board included, not just a, a, a high school or middle school education. Well, see, at that price, you got to you've got to put point guns at everybody in town to pay. Yeah, yeah. And, and what are they getting for it? I mean, you got you you have all well, these layers case, of management. You know, in, in my case, I get nothing for it because I don't have any kids that go to. Oh no, no, I get to live in a community with people that that read and write because otherwise, you know, people would never, ever, ever possibly learn to read and write without government education. Well, I don't know about you. I've been around the block a few times, and what I've noticed is, and, and I don't mean to make this a kids today type thing, but I've just noticed that that there has been a steady level of dumbing down over the last few decades where I get emails from people who just got out of college and they're not even punctuating properly. Yeah. You know, they don't spell properly. They don't even bother to run spell checks sometimes, which I can't understand that. Yeah, and you know, I think the the schools here Not everybody, by the way, not everybody. Yeah, the schools here are certainly better and some of the kids were coming up saying things like, well, it's not that bad here. You don't know you haven't been to this middle school, but in the inner cities, yeah, it gets uh, oh. it's really really bad. So uh, we'll come back, continue with this. I had one of the kids come up and snatch the sign from my hand. We'll tell you about that and more on Free Talk Live. You can call in about anything, 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition. It is the show about your calls. If you make them, 603-435-1105 is the number. Long distance and toll charges may apply, depending on your phone. Uh, you can call in and bring up anything. And tonight, it is Sam here with you. And Wade. And we're going to uh, get back. In the in the first segment, we were talking about an incident here, Wayne, that happened at the uh, Keene Middle School, where we do the show from in uh, Keene, New Hampshire, and I went out and held up a sign that says School Sucks Podcast. Now, we've done this before. Typically, though, there are other activists there. I think it was because of the fact that I was alone that some of the parents decided to finally get brave enough and come up and, not, you know, they weren't looking to uh, to talk to us and exchange ideas and understand what we were doing there, but they wanted to come out and attack me or yell at me. And they felt, I guess, with one-on-one odds that that works out better or is easier for them or something. And I had some of the kids actually were kind of jumping ahead a little bit there, but we're talking about, well, it's not that bad here. This is a, a good school. And, and that was something that you wanted to come up with, come up and or come back and address uh, before I jumped into kind of uh, the, the kids running up and snatching the sign from my hand and the police being called and so forth. So, Well, Mike, first question to him would be compared to what? I mean, if you're a kid going to the Keene school system, you haven't been, most kids have not been to other school systems to compare them. Well, they can read and write, so... Well, yeah, that's good. That's a good thing. And it, their parents say that it worked fine for them, too. <laughs> well, so true, but their parents probably went to school at a time where they were taught better how to read and write and do math and science and all those things, because when you look at the top 25 countries in the world in reading, math, and science, the United States is no longer in the top 25 in any category. Well, but the the schools are spending more money than ever. They've had more experience as they... As they uh, grow and mature as an organization. So why wouldn't they get better at educating kids? 
Well, because the kids uh, have a cafeteria now and they don't have to eat their lunch at their desks anymore like they did in the old days. And the teachers have all these fancy computers to teach with now. And you would think that the education would be better. But it's also, it's not about the teachers because the teachers are, a lot of them are well-meaning, good people. The problem is the system itself, in my opinion. My mom was a teacher and she went to teacher's college back, you know, way back when. But, you know, think about all the layers of management in education today, right from the federal government all the way down. If you got rid of the federal department of education, nobody would know the difference except that you'd be controlling education more on the local level. Mm -hmm. And even the state department of education is huge. There's more people working in those departments than there are teachers. But the teachers are the ones who, who teach the kids, and they're given, uh, I think, a, a faulty system and faulty uh, toolbox in which to teach the kids with now. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff they're being – okay, for example, I'm sure they're still learning about global warming in school. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I asked How much that, time do they waste on that? I asked that on the radio as all of these Climate Gate documents were coming out. I, I wanted to know from the local city councilors, how much longer are they going to be teaching this, this fraud that, that – you know, is being pawned off as science here right. about global warming. And, you know, they, of course, they don't really have any answer. It's, it's who knows how long but, until it's of no use to the government anymore, I would imagine. But, you know, it's funny because when anybody, any politician with any kind of cojones starts talking about getting rid of the Federal Department of Education, all of a sudden, oh, he's against education. Yeah. No, he's about the Federal Department of Education. It's ruining education, centralizing education, mm-hmm. but but they're making it worse. So... I think that people who say that need to qualify that more. I've, I've, even Ron Paul, Ron Paul talks about it, but I think when you talk about that, you have to say why so, so that you can't be attacked for being anti-education. Yeah, and that, the same thing happened to us. So as this, uh, you know, getting back to holding the sign over this mm-hmm. guy's head for a while and he's standing there with his back to me because that's his answer to uh, countering speech that he doesn't understand or disagrees with is to block it and make sure the kids just don't aren't exposed to it. Thug tactics. Yeah, it, you yeah. know, it's, it's like abstinence. That, that really works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the other parent comes up. Hits my hand, that's assault, and knocks the, the sign down. I was holding it with two hands. It, it sort of falls to the side, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Calm down. Uh, well, being you know, seeing the adults engaging in this juvenile behavior, one of the kids runs up and decides to join in and snatches the sign from my hand and goes running off. <laughs> now, I'm by myself, my bike, and uh, the banners are sitting here on the ground, and I'm like, oh, that little punk. So I went running after him, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and he runs onto school property. The kids are all laughing, and I start thinking as I'm chasing this guy, what happens if I catch him? Because here I am, this this you know older guy, six feet tall, uh, running after a little middle school kid. I'm Wouldn't like, be good. Even if I just grab him, get my sign back, and let him go, <sighs> that will probably be turned into free stater attacks middle yes. school kids you you know it would be yeah <laughs> so i decided to wait i there were there's road construction going on and in, in new hampshire it's one of the states where the uh i guess the police union or whatever has gotten in there and said we got to have cops standing around doing nothing having their lights flashing and stuff earning 20 40 dollars an hour i hope they've these. got zinc oxide in their nose they don't get sunburned <laughs> i'm sure they they're handling that so i yell just loud as i can police and uh the uh, there there were about forty kids at this point watching this thing because the crowd just kept growing. This as, spectacle as the parents were screaming at me, and I'm you know talking rationally to them as best I can. And uh, the, the as soon as I yell police, the kids all start shouting snitch, snitch, snitch. 
<laughs> which I thought at first I thought, man, that's great. These kids understand, you know, not talking to authority and so forth. But, you know, later as I was walking home, I'm thinking about it. This is the same thing that they yell that they harass people for in prison. Mm-hmm. They call them snitches just like that. And it's the same people running the prisons as are running the schools. They do it in the same manner. I've been in both. So, well, not a, a real prison, but a county jail. Yeah, but when you go to school for that time you're there, it feels like you're in prison for some. It does. It does. And uh, so, you know, then I, I actually felt pretty sad about it. Well, the cops come over. They get the kid who was running away. And had the, at this point, he had taken the sign and ripped it in half. Because, again, this is what the government system teaches you to do to people that you disagree with is, you know, shout them down, make fun of them, ridicule them, steal their personal private property and destroy it. As long as, you know, they don't get their message out, I guess then you win and beat the other guy. And that's sort of the the red blue, you know, we got to fight and and take control mentality that they teach in the government schools that I find so objectionable to begin with. So he gets the sign back. The kid comes over and... uh, I say, you know, the cop's standing there, and I say, uh, this sign costs money. It was a couple dollars. Do you, are you going to pay for that? No. I said, well, what about, you know, it took somebody time to, to write this out and to make the sign. Are you, are you going to compensate them for the, for the damage that you've done? No. Well, are you going to apologize or, or do anything? Or, you know, that's, uh, that's not really very fair of you. He goes, I don't care. And uh, I let it go at that. The cop said, do you want to do anything? I'm like, no, it's fine. But uh, I wish I would have done some ostracism. Now, I got a chance to do that when we went back out on Thursday. Uh, and that was it. The, the cop also asked me about the, the uh, parent who attacked me with the sign. And I said, no, it's fine. You know, no big deal. He was gone. No point in having them trying to chase him down or anything. So uh, we decided, well, I didn't decide. The other activists here decided that we were going to go back. And so on Friday, that's what we did. <laughs> Except this time we had signs that say School Sucks uh, Project and School Sucks Podcast, a uh, couple things about coercion, that sort of thing, the, the typical stuff, along with the banners, and, and we had our radios and so forth. And I also brought the megaphone out, not to yell at the teachers, but to talk to the kids and ask them questions about their experience in the government schools. And the teachers didn't like that very much. The bus drivers actually had them rolling up the windows so they couldn't hear me. We'll uh, cover that and more when we get back. Uh, This is uh, Free Talk Live. You can call in 603-435-1105. Call in about anything, take control of the show. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to bring you this message from one of our sponsors of the Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. Hi, everybody. Uh, Go to english.freetalklive.com if you would like to make $20 to $30 an hour all online from your home. You'll be conducting English conversations on Skype with folks from other countries like Japan, for example. So get this, they will pay you handsomely to help keep them up on already learned English. Let's say Kilo from Japan knows that if she doesn't use it, she will lose it. She needs to. She needs you for a natural English speaking gift. 
So get the ebook and discover how to find these passionate people who will pay you to talk to who will pay to talk to you on Skype. And I, I assume that's uh friendly conversation. <laughs> uh, so check out english.freetalklive.com. Start your own English conversations business. That's english.freetalklive.com. You'll love yourself for it. Okay. So, I love myself. <laughs> and awesome, though, that we have uh, sponsors out there that are willing to uh, fund the co-hosts. I actually get a couple dollars from this. So uh, we're going to uh, possibly get into some Hollywood superheroes getting arrested uh, in America, but we want to finish up this uh, story with the the school here. So where we left off, we had uh, we've been doing some local outreach here, uh, going from uh, going to the middle schools once a week during the day as the kids are getting out of school, holding up signs that say freekeen.com or school sucks project, school sucks to hopefully just introduce them to the ideas of liberty while they're in the government education system getting the indoctrination applied it's sort of like the the uh vaccine that they get to you know a shot in the arm of these ideas that sort of have a way to to counter all those quite efficiently let me ask you this didn't they vote in this town to build a big new junior high school or was it high school it's the actually the middle school that we're out in front of is for sale uh, they're, they've been trying to find a buyer for it for a while, and they're planning to build a brand new middle school and a brand new uh, firehouse. As though, do they have to taxes. sell this property first before they can build a new one? Or oh, are they already no. appropriate? No, no, exactly. So, in other words, the building's going to sit there. It'll probably end up being a senior center or something, and then the, the enrollment, mm-hmm. because of the demographics of the U.S., it'll be half full in about five or ten years. I, you know, I think the town here is maybe they they say everything's okay, but I think they're getting maybe to be a little bit strapped for cash. They have been uh, selling a lot of their property that they've been sitting on for years. I, I don't know if there's any connection to that, but there have been some really uh, great deals on property here that the city has been uh, offloading. Well, so. the city sometimes takes the property because they don't the owner doesn't pay the property taxes on it, and they they sit yeah. on it thinking it'll be worth more down the road. This I, I'm not sure how they uh, got a hold of these, but uh, I, I, well, I don't want to get into the stories because I have sources to protect there. But sure. let's uh, let's go back to the school thing. So uh, where I left off, basically after that day, the other activists decided to come back out, and we came out in uh, larger numbers. More people holding signs. We all had our radios, so that was another thing. We looked just like the bureaucrats. I actually dressed up in slacks and a nice shirt. Polyester shirt? No, a decent-looking shirt. But uh, the uh, on the buses, as I'm walking up and down with the megaphone, the kids are uh, – one of them asked me if I was a teacher or not. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I had them at least questioning it because I had the same authority symbols, and that's all that they're used to looking for. Um, so the uh, – I'm standing in front where they're coming out of the door before they get on the buses, and I start saying, hey, kids, do you think school is boring? <laughs> and, I, I mean, before I can even get, get on to my next sentence, a lady is walking up to me and saying, I just, I'm, I don't approve of what you're saying to my children. My kids go here. I gave my kids permission to go here, and I do not give you permission, and I don't want you saying these things to my kids. And that was her statement. And I said, okay, what's, what's your name? You know, we introduced, I introduced myself and, and uh, we talked for a second. And I said, well, here's the problem with that is I don't have kids that go here, but I'm still forced to pay to send your kids to this school. And I find it really objectionable what they're teaching him in this school. And her response is, well, okay, then 
don't pay taxes. You're a free stater, right? Don't pay taxes. I said, well, well, that's fine and all, but uh, your gang that that's running these schools will come and throw me out of my home if I don't pay taxes, if I don't pay their their the money that they demand. Well, you need to take that up with them. You have. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. She means with the sheriffs when they come to throw me out of my house for not paying to send her kid to school. I need to deal with the men with guns kicking in my door and, and, and screaming at me to get out. As you know, that's the reasonable answer for. Her. And, uh, you know, she she was, I think, really just trying to stall me or whatever. And she eventually started repeating herself, telling me don't pay again. And as soon as she did that, I just walked on and said, you know, through the megaphone, you know, it's really hard for your parents to understand because they've been put through the same subjugation that you kids are going through now. And so how many of you have uh, ever asked the teacher a question and haven't gotten a, a decent response from the from the kids? Or, or, or from your teacher? How many times have you been, have you read a book and maybe you thought it meant something different than the teacher thought? Which way was right? Is there a right and wrong way? Maybe books can mean different things to different people. You know, all of these things, because in the government schools, it's, it's the teacher's way. You're, you're always, it seems like, studying for the test. Mm-hmm. Everything's about the test. And so just presenting these ideas and eventually the kids were sort of filtering onto the buses and they're all sitting there. So I go up to the buses and sort start repeating one after another after another, just making my way back down the row of buses, talking to these kids. Some of them were pretty excited. Some of them were waving. At first they were standing up, coming up to the windows. What what are you doing? Why are you saying this stuff? And so I would explain as best I could. By the time I got down to the third and fourth bus, as soon as I would start talking, the bus driver would come on and tell the kids, kids, sit down, roll up your windows. That's Charles Manson over there. Ignore him. (laughs) Anybody with a megaphone is an attention seeker. He's only there to seek attention. Don't pay any attention to him. And uh, wow. it, it just to me, I, I think most people think of that, look at that and say, oh, no big deal. But this is the approach that they have to learning. Yeah. When somebody presents an alternate viewpoint, shut it out and don't right. listen to it. I don't care if you're sitting in a hot bus on a 90 degree day, uh, roll up the windows. We don't have air conditioner, but roll up the windows. You can't hear you can't be exposed to alternate ideas to the ones that we tell you are the only ones and, and are the right ones. Yeah, they're going to undo all of our hard work in indoctrinating you. So yeah. ignore them. So but, that but was, you know, on one hand, especially someone like the bus driver who's not a teacher, he's just he probably feels he's doing his job. He's supposed to some, be somewhat protective of the kids if he's transporting them to the next place, namely home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the teachers are are so indoctrinated and brainwashed that they actually believe that they're doing the right thing. Oh yeah, Mo- most yeah. people, you know, you look at a um, any any movie or any play. Usually, the villains believe they're doing the right thing. I, I think all people. You know, even Hitler thought that what he was doing was right, that that this was going to bring about some new era. Who knows what he told himself? But I don't think I I, I, like you, I believe people think are motivated from their self-interest, from what they think is best for them. Oftentimes that will uh, will, you know, show up in a number of ways. Sometimes it will be in line with what society overall believes is right. And sometimes it's not. It doesn't matter to them, though, because they have this sort of limited, fixed uh, perspective. And, yes, and they're clawing on it with everything they've got. And you're yeah. there, and you're there trying to pull them off of it. And, and they're and they're just clawing to it because they just they can't imagine uh, doing anything but that. Well, it's I think it's because as humans, we like to believe that we are right about the way the world is, and you know, it's it's awful for us to be wrong about 
you know, our ideas or, or what we've gone out and told everybody else was true because then we look like fools. It's also really difficult for people to admit they've been scammed. Oh, yes, yes. Very difficult. That I've been paying all this money, thousands of dollars, and these teachers have been taking it and wasting it, and my kids could be educated for a quarter of this amount. And better educated. And get a better education yeah. to boot. All right, well, that uh, wraps up that story. We've got a couple calls on hold. We will get to you guys as soon as the uh, break is over here. And we will be back. This is the Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. If you'd like to call and share your thoughts, 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition. It is the show about your calls. If you make them, it's 603-435-1105. Hold charges may apply. And tonight, it is Dan here with you. Wayne. And this is the show about your calls, as we said. And we have a couple callers on hold. Let's go to Scott in Winnipeg. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey, how are you? Yeah. Hey, Scott. Oh, good, good. Yeah, I was listening to what you're talking about, about at the at the school, and uh, you know, I wish, you know, for me when I was in high school, you know, you had that feeling. A lot of people had that feeling. They know something's not right. They know that people are just telling them what to do, and, and you don't really know why it is or what you can do about yeah, it. Yeah, the the so, answers for me were always shallow. Like I I was one of the kids who was bored in school. I was yeah. I was very smart. I rarely did homework. Still had an A and B average. Uh, you know, I was just bored to tears with what these people were teaching me. Felt like you know there was more to to life than sitting in this desk and remembering facts that were going to be tested on in a few weeks, so that we could then forget them and learn all new facts that that were going to be <laughs> tested on the following so-called week. facts. Yeah. Oh, but then there were some that we'd have to remember for the big test at the at the middle and the end of the year. You know, I remember hearing the teacher would say, well, there'd be a section in the book where they'd say, well, you don't have to know that for the test. And I thought, yeah. well, I wonder what students in the past had to know that. And now they don't have to know it anymore. I started thinking about that. Why don't we have to know that if it's in the book? Yeah. yeah. And, and how much of this do, do these kids really use? That was one of the things I brought up to them on the megaphone is, does it feel like, I asked the kids, does it feel like you're learning a bunch of stuff that you're never going to use? Well, I went through the school, and I can tell you, I haven't used a lot of the stuff that they taught me. So. Well, you know, that, that's true, and, and one, are, one could argue that, well, you're stretching your mind, you're learning about things, and sometimes you may, you may actually use it at some point in your life, and, and right. it'll come back. You'll, there are things like that, and going to college, for example, you might major in something that you end up not doing for, for a career, but you climbed that mountain, you pushed yourself, you wrote the papers, you did what it took to get to that level, so well, if I understand case, that side of it, too. Yeah, but if that's the case, let's, uh, let's create an education system that empowers kids to go out and create things on their own and, and reach those personal milestones rather than recite a bunch of facts. Scott, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I agree with what you guys said. I know I've often said to people that my last years of high school, like grade 11, 12, were a waste of time. I was just putting my time to get that piece of paper, basically. Yeah. Because without that piece of paper, you know, then it's harder to get a job or blah, blah. Um, And I was talking with someone recently, and, you know, it seems like a familiar story that, say, 30, 40, well, this guy I talked to was like 70 years old, and he said, you know, graduation was grade 8. That was it back then, because that's all you needed, because then you mm-hmm. went into a vocation for him as family farming. For some people, it yeah. might be metals or, or whatever the case is. And, uh, I mean, there's so much of high school, all that memorization, 
is a waste. Uh, because if you want to remember something, well, we don't need to remember every single little fact. What you need to learn is learn how to think, right? Yeah. And by the time you're 16, if you don't know how to think already, mm. then I don't know if two more years of government school are going to do it for you anyway. And also learning uh, learning, uh, or developing a love for learning because really if uh, most accomplished self-actualized people I know are students their whole life in their own mind. And some of the greatest masters are those who remain students in their own mind. Mm-hmm. They never call themselves master or think, I've mastered this, I know everything. So, I th- But the love of learning is the most important thing because that's going to motivate somebody. And some of the things that I'm the best at in my life, I taught myself. Yeah. Yeah. Any other... And I find that's true with me as well. I didn't really start uh, loving learning, for example, until I was about 24 or so. And uh, because in high school, you know, or, or I'll just pick on high school because that's what I remember the best. Uh, is, you know, read this book, write a report. Read, do, read this, write a report. You know, it wasn't very self-directed. And I find myself, like I've talked to a few people that uh, uh, either homeschool their kids or, or unschool their kids is what's called, mm-hmm. where it's very self-directed. And they get just as much out of schooling as anybody that does that. You know, here, I'm sorry to take up so much time, but here's what's really bothering me about this is that I have four kids. Two of them are now in school. One's in kindergarten, one's in grade two. And the indoctrination is already starting. In oh, grade yeah. one, my son started talking to me about stuff. I was like, oh, man, now I have to counteract all of this all of this stuff. And, you know, if I don't send him to school, I'm going to get arrested. Did he write you any in, tickets in yet? It's, it's, I'm sorry, what? Did he write you any tickets yet or anything or snitch on you yet? Did you, For using, <laughs> using not, too much water or taking hot showers? Well, he, uh, you know, they, they talk about uh, voting. He, he learned about voting not long ago, and we were trying to pick a movie to watch, and my oldest son, let's, let's vote. I was like, well, that's not very nice, because then, you know, your brother doesn't get to watch the movie. He, he wants to watch if, you know, two out of three of us. I said, no, we all have to agree, you know. So it's that so idea you that guys actually, Scott, do you guys actually build consensus on uh, what movie? Yes. Really? Because yes. that's that's the way that's what I believe in, and, and uh, Mark and Ian and I are, are uh, Quakers as well, and that's kind of how yeah. they make decisions. Is I can I can kind of be indifferent to it. I, I use kind of the thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up means yep, <laughs> I'm in line. I agree. Thumbs down means no, I disagree. And here's my suggestion for changing it. Or thumbs sideways just means, you know, I don't. I'm not crazy about the idea. I don't strongly oppose it i can just sort of go along to get along on this one this one's okay with me so i'm not going to stand in the way as a roadblock um and and that seems to work pretty well it what it does i think that that the government school systems completely avoid because they have this command and control author, authoritarian structure to them is it it kills it, it sucks away the creativity the problem solving skills yeah. the imagination of kids and and that's really what the sucks in the school sucks podcast, and the critical thinking is really skills, about. yeah, because uh, especially with the with the um, dumbing down of the math, because math and science do teach you critical thinking skills mm-hmm. and logic, which is yeah. something they don't want you to have. They want you to be pliable and, and easily brainwashed. Yeah, and of course, the, it's the the media is rife with it as well. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the problem. It is. Any other yeah. any other thoughts, Scott? Uh, I was just going to say that with what Wayne said, I didn't learn real critical thinking skills till I was in my 30s, and I had to teach them to myself. And it had to be because through life experiences, you know, I got screwed by some stuff, and, and a sort of uh, you get to the point where, wow, I didn't understand how to critically think about things. I was never taught it. In school, you're just kind of told, and, you know, it's sort of uh, it's not meaningful. 
Mm-hmm. And teenagers are capable of way more than so many people think they are capable of. And I wish, uh, you know, so many adults would just stop treating them like little kids. They're not little kids. They're young adults. They're capable of way more than some people give them credit for. A hundred, a hundred years ago, these some of these kids were raising families and running farms. I mean, right. yeah. <laughs> How easily we because, forget. Because in the early, their earlier education, they were learning the basics, the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. By the time they graduated from eighth grade, they had everything they need to survive in the world. And then That's when they true, would, yeah. and some would go to college, but a lot of them would, would go through an apprenticeship, which didn't cost them anything except their time, and they get paid something to learn a trade. And by 18 years old, you could actually afford to raise a family and, 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 and have your wife stay home if she wanted to with the kids mm-hmm. and maybe even have one car in the garage, which is all you needed back then because a lot of people live closer to towns where you could... Uh, I was just driving through my grandparents' old town a few weeks ago. My grandmother used to walk downtown every day. Mm-hmm. It was about a mile away. She used to just walk and go shopping and walk back, and they had one car. My grandfather was a machinist, which he learned through an apprenticeship, and, and uh, basically... Um, uh, he bought a brand new car for cash every two years. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I think we're going to see uh, society sort of return to that that model, the, this uh, this uh, idea that everybody get, has a car and, you know, that, that we can afford this opulent lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of that came out of some of the, the inflationary spending on behalf of the federal government. And, uh, and the way they designed the cities, too. Yeah. The way they design, they look at Los Angeles as a perfect example compared to New York, which is an older city where people could walk or, or ride their bike or take mass transit. Mm-hmm. Some people drove cars, but not everybody. Los Angeles, they designed the whole thing for the automobile, for the automobile industry and all the ancillary industries around the automobile. Yep. And now, of course, it's not scalable because at a certain level, it becomes just gridlock and, the, and it becomes a, a, the quality of life is terrible. So the, the plan in Detroit, I think, was to demolish a, a quarter of the houses or something like that. It's just brilliant. Scott, uh, any other thoughts on the school uh, system? I or? wish I wasn't forced to pay for it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, leave it there. I agree with you there. Thank you for the call, sir. Well, a lot of those you, a lot of those towns are going broke. I know the, the city of Kansas City had uh, what was it? They closed half the schools uh, about a month or two ago. I don't know if you heard about that. No, I, I didn't hear about yeah, that. Yeah, the, there's more. And then there was a city in Los Angeles that actually, or I'm sorry, in Rhode Island, a town or a city or something in between. That actually fired all the teachers and rehired them back. That I did hear about. I, you know, but how how much good is that really going to do when you talk about uh, the the new teachers are still going to be coming into the same system, the same bureaucracy, Top all down. the same ridiculous yeah. rules that prevent you from firing bad teachers, even though including the ones who are a danger to the kids. They just send them off into a room to read a newspaper every day and and keep paying them. Ridiculous. It is. All right, uh, let's go to uh, expensive. another call here. We have Keith in NYC. Keith, what's on your mind tonight? How's it going, guys? Great. Uh, Coming up on the get break. your topic really quick, and we'll come back to you. Okay, I just wanted to discuss uh, decentralization as far as for uh, individual food growing or individual energy. Excellent. All right, sounds great. We'll uh, come back and talk about that. I will put you on hold. This is uh, Free Talk Live. You can bring in, you can call in about anything, 603-435-1105. And this is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition. It is the show about your calls, minus Ian and Mark. Tonight, it is Sam here with you. And Wade. And you can call in and join in in the fun. Share your thoughts on anything, 603-435-1105. We are jumping into hour number two here. 
And uh, before the end of the last hour, we had talked to uh, Keith in NYC. And uh, Keith, you wanted to talk about sort of decentralization as it applied to uh, farming and some other areas. Are you still with us? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, what, what was on your mind? Well, I've been uh, running into a problem when I'm discussing the ideas of liberty where I'm kind of put on the spot to provide solutions. I mean, if the government's not going to do it, who will? Mm-hmm. And I kind always... of find myself with, well, the community will or you will. And that the examples have kind of been eroded over time as mutual aid kind of got pushed out by regulations uh, as an example of the mutual aid hospitals and fraternal hospitals. So uh, I was just kind of wondering what's bridging the gap between survivalists that are out to just do everything themselves and the people who are, you know, in an urban environment like down here in New York City that don't do, you know, they rely completely on uh, commercial services. Well, I think uh, the the thing that jumps out to me, you know, first and foremost, is people in search of a profit. I mean, there, if if there are people who are going to demand something and want to, uh, you know, pay for it, there are people who are going to want to live in New York City, and you can't live in New York City without food. So mm-hmm. either their choice is going to be to a uh, buy up a bunch of land, which in New York City, and, and grow their own food. Uh, what about not, rooftop not very gardens? Viable. There's a lot of rooftop gardens. There are, but probably not enough to feed yourself throughout the year, uh, considering those are, you know, you have many tenants in most of the buildings there, at least in the city. Or B, just pay somebody else to grow the food. It's, you know, division of labor. Uh, People are going to see an opportunity and want to come in to to fill the gap. And and there's always going to be somebody who's willing to trade their money a little more than they are their time for, uh, you know, growing food. And somebody else who feels the reverse, who's going to want to live out in the country, would rather do the farming and go into the city to uh, to sell their produce and exchange that for somebody that wants the produce more than they want the money. Does that make sense? Oh, oh certainly, definitely. I, I, then you run into, well, profit's evil, and that unfortunately kind of drives people away. And I don't agree that profit's evil at all. Profit drives uh, free trade and obviously drives uh, voluntary interaction. And along with what you said about the gardening, there's actually a really interesting nonprofit down here called uh, windowfarms.org, and they're developing really basic, really cheap hydroponic systems to try and start letting people use the tiny amount of space they have in some cases to uh, use just a window mm-hmm. to uh, grow food in. Yeah, yeah vertical you, garden. The other thing to to sort of get across with these guys is, I don't know what the regulations are like there in New York City. I imagine they have quite a few <laughs> of them. <laughs> and, you know, how much more food would be available and how much cheaper would it be if you got rid of all of those silly government regulations and inspectors and overhead and fees and forms? Wayne, yeah. you want to jump in? Well, I was going to say that that Russia at one time was one of the greatest food producers and exporters in the world. When the Soviet Union came in, uh, all of a sudden they almost starved to death. And it wasn't until the Soviet Union allowed individuals to grow food and keep what they grew that they actually were able to feed themselves. And and when people ask, well, well, how are we going to do this? Well, how did we always do it before the government got really big and people got dependent on the government? We did it because we, we basically took personal initiative to make sure that we were fed. And, and so we, we uh, spontaneous order takes over, and the people who are good at growing food grow it, and they sell it to other people. Certainly. And then uh, just to kind of wrap up on a more of a local-to-you-guys question, uh, I'm coming up to Forecast in a couple of weeks, really excited about that. Excellent. Who should I be asking about the 
I guess, the unlicensed, unregulated market that's developing up there, and I guess areas like Grafton or just the agorist movement? Uh, you know, I think your best bet for that is to uh, go to some of the forums. There's certainly uh, Free Keen is the one that uh, we use. Uh, I think a lot of the folks in the Grafton area are on nhfree.com uh, or .org, or the, the New Hampshire Underground Forum. And uh, go there, introduce yourself, let everyone know you're uh, coming up for uh, Pork Fest, and you'll get to know some of those folks before you even get here, and you can you know, have some conversations, build some relationships. Uh, it will make your time, I think, at Pork Fest that much more enjo- enjoyable because people will already have kind of a there's, a... there's a lot of new folks that show up, and you know it's, it's hard to know everybody, so if you've established some, some contacts and so forth, that'll, it'll make your time uh, that much more fun. Great, thanks for that. By the way, uh, is is there going to be an Alt Expo sort of thing going on, or is that only the Liberty Forum? Oh, it's actually. I think it's it's bigger. I I I know they're definitely doing Alt Expo. I I've heard that they're doing two tents or something. Wayne, do you know anything about that? I I heard something about it, but I didn't look at it in a lot of detail. And then there's there's also Agorist Alley, which is um, if you look on the map, there's one entire strip of uh, campsites where people are setting up there, selling various goods and produce and services and things, uh, all completely unlicensed as far as I know. So I think there's a, definitely a lot of that going on. Were there any other questions you had? No, that covers it really well. Thanks for uh, coming in and doing the Sunday edition, and have a great night. All right, thank you for the call. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm uh, definitely looking forward to Porkfest. It's, uh, it's something that gets bigger and bigger every year and it's a it's a great time just being around that environment with all of those people uh lots of uh drinking and other extracurricular activities and they seem to get better every year i really like the uh the campsite that that uh it's held at that was last year was the first time uh it's up in lancaster new hampshire kind of a ways up north up they, in the mountains. they actually used to have it in lancaster then they moved it to another place there for a while gunstock and then they moved it back to lancaster i believe last year yeah but it I, originally was in lancaster and and gunstock's a little bigger but it was more spread out it uh you know people were all different places it wasn't very walkable as yeah. uh as this new place is and uh yeah i'm lo- i'm looking forward to it it's going to be neat there are there's also you know uh Big Buzz, gosh, I cannot, can never remember the the uh, name of this. Big Buzz's gay dance party, or am I mixing it up? Uh, I heard you don't know. I, I, did, I remember <laughs> seeing it on the list, but uh, I probably won't go. But uh, Buzz's big gay dance party. That's it. Well, no, what is that all about anyway? It's a big gay dance party. Okay, so the Buzz is throwing. Oh, the buzz is throwing. Got stripper it. Stripper poles. Are you coming for the stripper poles? No, I probably won't. Oh, I, I, I've seen too many of those. I think Michelle Seven's <laughs> wearing a fairy costume as well. To uh, the stripper nothing, pole. Huh? Nothing's interesting you there. Um, <laughs> I'm married, you know. Okay, well, and there it, are events for kids and all, you know, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, different things going on. Believe me, I could go there, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm going to behave. All right, all right. This is being recorded, after all. <laughs> all right, well, uh, we are fresh out of calls. If you want to call in and bring something up, 603-435-1105. But in the meantime, there was a proposed bill here in Michigan that I would like to cover, and they were trying to register journalists. And they had some rather interesting uh, requirements now, I think it's important to point out that this is a 
this is proposed legislation hasn't gone through even to a vote as far as i know but they're talking about this at the national level too oh yeah yeah i mean this is a this is a single sponsor bill so it's not getting any support it's not going to go anywhere it's not going to become law mm-hmm. but this gives you an interesting look into the mindset of the politicians into kind of the things that they're seeing what they're what's keeping them up at night and what they're willing to use force the force of government uh, to, uh, to, I guess, affect some change or, or control the news media outlets. Uh, this is from Fox News. Michigan considers law to register journalists. <laughs> I think they're spitting into a hurricane. This one. <laughs> Possibly. All right. Uh, a Michigan lawmaker wants to register reporters to ensure they're credible and have good moral character, Wayne. Well, how do they measure that? <laughs> well, he's about to tell us. Senator uh, or state Senator Bruce Patterson is introducing legislation that will regulate reporters such as the state regulates hairdressers, auto mechanics and plumbers. Does that include bloggers? Uh, Well, I think it will. Yeah, you'll see here shortly. Uh, Patterson, who also practices constitutional law. Oh, boy. Says the general public is being overwhelmed by an increasing number of media outlets. Boy, these, these poor ones that don't agree with him. Yeah, they're all just being confused by this alternate media. We just need to shut them down, let the government run media, and we'll tell you how they want to do that when we come back. Yes. Call and share your thoughts, 603-435-1105. This is the Free Talk If you make them to our number, 603-435-1105. You can call in, bring up anything, take control of the airwaves. Uh, tonight, the show is brought to you by English.freetalklive.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the interwebs. Yes, this is so cool. Did you know there are smart folks all over the world who need to meet you? Why? Well, if you're, on, uh, if you're from an English-speaking country, then check out English.freetalklive.com. Right this very second to find out. If you're listening to this podcast or the live edition, uh, then pause it right now and check out our site. Go to english.freetalklive.com and discover how to uh, create your own online business. All you need to get started is an ebook, the internet, Skype, a webcam, and a microphone. What an inexpensive way to become your own boss that oversees rewarding and challenging job, uh, a rewarding and challenging job. That requires your unique creativity and passion. Please uh, pause the podcast and visit English.freetalklive.com right now. Okay, so Wayne, we are uh, in the last hour. We had just touched on this uh, law that's being proposed. It's a it's a single sponsor bill, so it's likely to not really go anywhere. But certainly, I think it gives a very interesting insight into uh, the minds of the politicians. It's called desperation is what it is. (laughs) The alternative media has exploded. The alternative media is now bigger than the mainstream corporate media. And they don't know what to do. And they don't know what to do, and they think they're going to clamp it down or something as if they're going to just shut it down, flip a switch. Well, all you have to do is, is just put parents and have them turn their backs and stand in front of the internet. And then the people on the other side won't be able to see. I mean, that's how they teach them to solve problems, right? Yeah. And then they tear the laptop out of your hands. Yeah. <laughs> they run down the street. <laughs> that's with phase it. two. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's get back into this story. So we had the politician here talking about, they're just being, 
people are just being the general public is being overwhelmed by an increase increasing number of media outlets. Right. So he should decide which ones you get to to uh, uh, get your information well, from. No, because no, there's too they're many. Just, they're just they need to just certify them to make sure they're giving good information. You don't you don't want people getting bad information that's wrong. Do well, what's you, bad Wayne? information? Well, it's what they they tell they'll tell you that. <laughs> what they don't disagree worry. with is what. <laughs> well, no, it's the law. The law. Yeah. That's all. I mean, the law is going to determine. So, tell us more about this. What, 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 what are his his claims besides that? There's too many alternative media net, uh, outlets. Well, legitimate media sources are critically important to our government. He said, and that's legitimate. a quote. Yeah, legi- yeah. Well, of what, course they're important. Well, that's what I would ask him, sir. <laughs> what, what do you define as legitimate? The, the, <laughs> Anyone who uh, takes a government press release and turns around and reports on it as news without uh, giving it a second thought. Okay. Well, I, I would say that's right. uh, that's fine then. Possibility. Um, okay, so let's go on here. He told uh, Fox News that some reporters calling covering state politics don't know what they're talking about, and they're working for publications he's never heard of. <laughs> like OTN. So clearly they can't be legitimate. So he wants to install a process that'll help them and help the general public figure out which reporters to trust. To trust. See, he's helping. I mean, there are kids watching these these news broadcasts wayne do you want do you want the kids getting lied to well you know the, the thing is when you have a lot of information all coming at you what over time what happens is you start to see who was correct and who wasn't exactly you, you people de- develop a, uh, a track record a, a uh, kind of like an ebay with a number of stars so an eBay seller with a lot of transactions that doesn't successfully and doesn't doesn't screw anybody has more stars than somebody who who doesn't. So yeah, you start to get a reputation, and I think the the thing that uh, is different that he's clearly doesn't even understand here is the internet saves things. Ten, it tends to be forever now. Yeah, I mean we have YouTube where you can go in and pretty much type up any event, and it's probably in in a video there on somebody's channel. So you know we have this this tool whereas with the the traditional mainstream media you've got the newspaper sure you can go and look it up in the archives if you want to go down to the newspaper station and pay them money and and look through a bunch of microfish sure you can do that or you know some of them have it on their websites now online if you want to pay and go in and and search their archives or if you're talking to about tv well forget it that's pretty much gone unless you've managed to record it but when it comes to you know youtube or uh blogs or or uh, whatever it is, there are there are websites out there that just crawl across and archive all of that content. So it's kept there indefinitely. It makes it much harder to uh, you know change your story down down the mm-hmm. road. And uh, you know I don't I don't really see this as a problem. So, no, most people don't. That's probably one reason why it's a one person thing. And and these people are getting so scared and desperate now that this is the kind of thing people do when they get desperate. Mm-hmm. He told Fox News that some reporters, uh, no, I already covered that, sorry. <laughs> uh, we have to be able to get good information, he said. We have to be able to rely on the source and to understand the credentials of the source because it's not their reputation, it's the credentials that make it yes. qualified information. And that's the important distinction. Critics say the proposed law will stem press freedoms and is bound to be politicized with uh, disgruntled politicians going after reporters who don't paint them in a positive light. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think there's any evidence to support an allegation like that, not these these leaders of our community. <laughs> if a reporter isn't 
chastising politicians. He's not doing his job. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the role is to really hound the the people using power, using force, using this privilege that the people have supposedly given them uh, responsibly and, and to make sure that that's being used responsibly. So here they are wanting to control the very people that have some sort of uh, check over their their power, even if it's just telling people what they're doing. What a thought. Uh, they also say that adding members of the um, fourth estate to the list of government-regulated occupations is probably unconstitutional. He, he doesn't care about the Constitution, I guess. I guess not. But he's a constitutional scholar, so clearly, Wayne, you're just not interpreting the Constitution. Well, at least he right admits that, it, that it's probably unconstitutional, <clears throat> but it's still scary that he would propose it. This is misguided and it's never going to fly, says Kelly McBride, media ethics expert at the Polymer Institute. She is currently involved in a project uh, examining the transformation of the journalism profession. The bill was introduced May 11th and has been referred to as uh, referred to the so-and-so committee, and it's probably going to die there. Uh, it's a single-sponsor bill. I think that says it all, says Mike McLaurin, executive director of the Michigan Free Press Association. Uh, I've not talked to the senator about this but whatever you see whenever you see a single sponsor it's usually indicative of what others think of it which is not much and like i was saying you know this is probably not going to make it into law but it does tell you where they're going what they would like to do if you know this is like a politician's wet dream sure so to speak. But, well, maybe it's a trial balloon because we we have been hearing people at the federal level suggesting similar things for example if you're a so-called conservative blogger that you'd have to have a little pop-up with, with the uh, Daily Kos and a few other alternative liberal, so-called liberal opinions there, too. Now, is somebody in a college, uh, a college professor who's a lefty, is he going to have an, a, a, a right-wing professor or a libertarian professor give the alternative viewpoint in, in a college lecture? No. <laughs> I mean, that, this is, this is, this is the, the real world here, is that people should be free to listen to whatever information is out there and make their own decisions. And if they make the wrong decision, it's their life. The gene pool will reflect it in 100 years. You would think so, but then, uh, you know, these politicians wouldn't have anything to do if they weren't keeping us safe from possibly reading some inaccurate information. We'll, uh, we'll come back, get to this story, and to your calls after the break. Uh, this is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition with Sam and Wayne. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition. Tonight, you can call in about anything, bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free, well, the not-so-toll-free number, because it's the Sunday edition where the cohorts take over, is 603-435-1105. It is Sam here with you. And Wayne and the inmates have taken over the asylum tonight. Yes, we have, and we're stumbling here and there a little bit, but uh, learning the ropes here. I think this is going to be a great program, though, Wayne, uh, just with having all these different co-hosts in here, gaining experience, getting practice. Uh, it's, it's certainly it's going to help back up Free Talk Live and make sure that the show goes on regardless of what happens and, and with better hosts and, uh, and so forth. But it's also going to, I think, create some stronger media personalities in the, the keen area where we really need them. But we don't have credentials. No, no, we don't. And let, actually, let's get back to that and find out what the the folks in Michigan, or at least one guy in Michigan, wants to uh, ensure that proper journalists have uh, have done proper proper credentialed. 
in order to well what what hoops they will have to jump through in order to get these credentials and i'm i'm sure these will be you know very clear things that are easy to uh to identify and enumerate here and and easy to determine whether or not you qualify uh so according to the bill reporters who register will have to pay an application and registration fee now, you didn't think this was going to be free did you well, of course not uh and provide the Board of Michigan Registered Reporters. Now, I don't know if they actually have that board today or not, but I'm guessing that means they're creating another bureaucracy of here. Of course. And, but what, and, what is that noise I hear? It sounds like birds fly. Oh, 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 you know what it is, Sam? What? It's the sound of a whole bunch of middle fingers all going up at the same time. <laughs> All right. So uh, you'll have to provide this Board of Bureaucrats with proof of, number one, good moral character. And demonstrate they have industry ethics standards acceptable to the board. Well, you could pass for that. Oh, I'm sure they would. They would love the the type of work that I do. Uh, possession of a degree in journalism or uh, other degree substantially equivalent. So I guess I would be out there because I don't have a journalism degree, nor would I want one. Seeing the reporter, you know, we talked in the first hour about the school program. Well, the school or the uh, the local newspaper here in town sent a new reporter out. It was he was brand new on the job, just moved to Keene, knew nothing about the Free State Project, nothing about what was going on. But had credentials. Shows up on the scene, yeah, fresh out of journalism school, sits and talks with me for twenty minutes, and writes a total one sided hit piece that said all of the students hated us. They they did not want mm-hmm. us there, and yada 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 and. You know, mentions that police were on hand. Well, the police were called by the school officials. Why didn't he say that? If I called the police, do you think he would have? But mentioned that's how that? journalists in in the, in the establishment system earn their stripes. Exactly by well, smearing politically smearing people who don't agree with with um, their it, side. Well, it, and I think it shows that you don't have to have this uh, this grand conspiracy going on to have to to, to have a system. The system is already in place to turn out journalists who don't think for themselves, who take the government's side of things, because it's just been set up that way. It's been in play long enough that, uh, you know, people already, I guess, have adopted that viewpoint from the previous indoctrination from kindergarten all the way up through high school and then another four years in the socialist uh, college system. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's see. The other thing here, not less than three years experience as a reporter or any other relevant background information. So if I'm not a reporter and I want to be a reporter, then all I have to do in Michigan is have three years of experience as a reporter in order to become a reporter. (laughs) He really thought this bill through, can't you tell? I I can tell. Like I said, I'm hearing that sound again. (laughs) <laughs> awards you know, that, that's not enough you you have to be uh three years in journalism and you need awards or recognition well, what's going to happen with all these people with three years of experience or more with awards what happens when they die uh, hey, the <laughs> there's bill, no more reporters the bill hasn't gotten that far <laughs> awards or recognition related to being a reporter so i guess you're star that you got in kindergarten for uh i don't know putting your crayons up doesn't count uh, there, uh, let's see, three or more writing samples. So you're actually having to submit <laughs> samples of your work. Now, I know another place that they they do something like that. It's in Iran. You have to be approved. You go through a similar process like this. Mm. And the journalists there, at least the, the I watched a documentary about a guy who went over to visit his friends who run one of the magazines. 
if they write anything that's negative or critical about the state, they will get shut down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's perfectly clear there that that's that's the way it goes, that they cannot criticize the state. They they do their best to try and do that because they are it's an activist run uh, newspaper in this this uh, documentary that I watched. But they they have to be very, very careful not to openly, obviously criticize the state because they're afraid of of men with guns coming in and shutting them down. Well, before the alternative media emerged in the 90s, most of the major corporate media outlets, even though they were there was more ownership and they were they're more a little more decentralized than they are now. If if someone wanted to run a story that was critical of the government or controversial, it usually got pulled. There, there were gatekeepers, multiple levels of gatekeepers in the mainstream corporate media. Yeah, even you know, twenty ten years ago. That's and exactly. Th- oh, do you want to? Yeah, go ahead. That's exactly where he's going here. Unregistered reporters would not be prevented from covering Michigan politics, and registering with the uh, state would be voluntary. So this is all optional. Of course, who do you think they're going to uh, give access to, grant interviews to, or do anything else? It's the people who parrot the line, and and that's what's gotten us to what we have today, yes. which is a a, a fascist dictatorship where the corporations and the government use each other and their influence and power and and, uh, control over others to uh, enrich themselves at the expense of, I think, the American people. At least the people. Mm -hmm. So what's the definition of a reporter? Uh, I haven't been able to find out. What is a reporter? What is a journalist? Pattern said. I thought you'd have to, uh, you had to have a degree in journalism, but apparently not. I could retire and be a journalist. Patterson said he wants a central place where members of the public can go and find out about reporters' credentials, background, and experience. I'm talking about a central depository for information so someone can find out all can find all that out. Patterson said, comparing his ideas to the vetting process for expert witnesses who testify in court <laughs> under oath. He said that uh, you know when when people's lives or property are, are on the line and oftentimes they're being paid for that. Those people, yes, get vetted. But just because you want to you want to share your view with other people, does it mean you should have to go through the same process? I don't think so. Uh, he said he feels that there's no way to tell who's a legitimate journalist and who's just a news writing, who's just rewriting other reporters' reporting and twisting facts. He's right. The problem is, how do I know where I'm going to get my news from, said McBride, who is working on a Ford Foundation project for the Palmer Paltner Institute uh, that addresses the issue of the growing fifth estate, non-professional bloggers, community reporters, and citizen journalists. Yeah, they're scared to death of those people. And the shrinking of the fourth estate, the traditional press. Well, they're shrinking because they're dying, because... There people know now, or, or we were talking about this during one of the breaks. People are are waking up to the fact that they've been lied to all this time, and they're and they're being conned here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're you know given this fiat money that is bankrupting them, or is is going to start inflating very rapidly here in the next few years, killing their buying power. And the same thing happened in the Soviet Union, even though they they only had they had Pravda and TASS. But mm-hmm. after a while, people just thought it was a joke. And they, they realized it was propaganda, whereas in this country, it, the, the scam was a little uh, In this lengthy. country, the joke's on the American people because they're the suckers eating this up and, and are you know going to be left uh, facing some hard times. It's a more sophisticated scam because in the Soviet Union, you had, you had the, just the Communist Party and then you had the main media. So it was fairly simple. Some people bought into it for a while, whereas here you think, okay, I'm a, I'm a Republican. I don't believe that, that leftist stuff. 
And and so you got the right left paradigm, then you've got the you know the so-called right media and the left media, and they're fighting amongst each other. They get everybody fighting amongst each other all the time on a lot of different issues, and we all know what those are. And and what what's the answer? Well, you have to break that. You have to blow it up and, and, and go back to truth. Yeah. And, and 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 critical thinking. Well, not according to the politicians. We need to control, create bureaucracy, and a licensing system, and that will fix the the things that they don't like that are coming out about them in the alternative media. We'll uh, we'll get into this and more. We'll take your calls. We'll hear from Bill if he holds on through the break. This is Free Talk Live. Anything that's on your mind, the number is 603-435-1105. As we uh, round out the hour here, we are going to go to your calls. We've got uh, Bill in the city. Bill, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hello there, Sam. Hello there, Wade. How y'all doing? Man, we are doing great. <laughs> hey, what Bill. is on your mind tonight? Hey, I just wanted to tell you, a good friend of mine died. His name was Arsley Clutter. Now, Wayne, can you understand? Arsley Clutter? Arsley Clutter. Arsley Clutter? Arsley Clutter. Are you trying to make me say a bad word on the radio? (laughs) He he came out and he did the thing. It was the kids say the darndest things. They do, don't they? Art Linkletter. Oh, this is Bill Cosby. Oh, oh. he's doing the Bill Cosby parody yeah, I'm, thing. I'm a little young for that. I guess you watched Bill Cosby growing up. I saw a few episodes. I saw I Spy when I was a kid. I used to watch Maxwell yeah. Smart. Yeah. Good <laughs> show. Anyway, yes. what's your uh, what else? What do you want to bring up about that? Anything? Well, my oh. Well, Bill, you know you're you're a pretty smart guy in your own right, and very talented yeah, too. I'm a doctor. I've got a doctor, and I went to school. <laughs> Did you I've spend all your all money yet? You, now, made, you made a lot of money on the Cosby Show. Do you still Every eat? Every time a little kid slurps on some Jello pudding, I get all kinds of money. <laughs> what about pudding pops? Do you do you still eat those? And the Codex, the Codex cameras, and the pudding, and the Jello, Jello pudding pops. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, you have any new plans? Are you going to do any new TV series or anything? Well, that's just this one coming up where I'm going to be an undercover police officer, and I've got a sidekick that's a chip. <laughs> a what? A chip. He's a jip? A chip. He's chip. literally like a monkey. Oh, he's a chimp. Chimp. A he's chimp. a chimp. Yeah, and the bad guy is this kid. He's a little kid, and he always says the darndest things. So what is the cop, the hero? What does the cop do? Yes, I'm going, I bust crabs. And the, the crab boss is this little kid. Now, and now, he says the darndest things, and i got to stop him. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that sounds like a pretty cool plot. That's really original, too. I've got a jetpack. A jetpack? <laughs> yeah, I fly around on my jetpack and fight crime and as an undercover cop. Okay, well, what about your carbon footprint, Bill? What's the, you know, you're gonna, what kind of uh, fuel is this What kind of message are you sending to the kids? Do you want dolphins dead on the beaches using a jetpack like that? Dolphins are one of my arch 
for a long time. The dolphins are? They're, they're the, the dolphins are responsible for the BP oil spill. Right. Well, I mean, it's that group that got the laser, uh, you know, the laser guns on the top of their heads that the did it, right? Attacked, they attacked yes. the well and they caused all the oil to spill into the ocean. Oh, now, because goodness. the dolphins can survive with an oil slick no. that other sea mammals can't. So oh, I see. The they are using the, this natural disaster that they've engineered and created in order to consolidate marine power and, and take over exactly. the oceans? The marina burgers. Well, what are you going to do to stop this, Bill? I mean, you, you, Well, we... I suggest that due to fishing should be increased, and they should try to catch more dolphins into due to this. What if, I, I think you should do maybe like a training program. Uh, you could start with the dolphins at SeaWorld and uh, maybe teach them to go into the other dolphins and sort of uh, get into the ranks, and then you can uh, stop them from the inside, maybe so undercover. You mean, like in, in my show, I'm an undercover police officer, do you, and you think I should be an undercover dolphin? I think you should have a dolphin suit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a great idea. I'm going to be an undercover dolphin. Because I can never understand what the dolphins say when they talk to me in the ocean. But it, but if it was a dolphin with a Bill Cosby face, Bill, we need to hear. It. <laughs> that would be. I love dolphins. Are you, go, are you going to adapt the jetpack for the dolphin costume for the outfit? Well, I figure if I'm going to be underwater instead of a jetpack, like a water jetpack. Yeah, yeah. That nice. would, I mean, why? I, I don't know what I was thinking there. You could take out submarines and everything, and tuna. You could get tuna. You, you could be Dolphin of the Sea. They're, they're my great ally in the war against the Dolphin oppressors. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good luck with the, uh, with the Dolphin War and the uh, upcoming TV series. Uh, thank you for the call, Bill. Thank you. <laughs> Doesn't he live in Massachusetts? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Probably lives in a lot of places. He made a lot of dough in the '80s with the Cosby Show. That was a, that was a pretty creative crank very call. I would have to say, yeah, that was a very entertaining call, as well as the Cosby Show being an entertaining show. Yeah, absolutely. And you really can, listeners, call in and bring up anything, even if uh, you want to pretend there, to be Bill Cosby. There's some really. There's been some good ones lately. There have. There have. Six zero three four three five eleven zero five is the number. If uh, you would like to call in and share your thoughts. Wayne, did you have uh, something you wanted to cover related to financial? I know there's a number of little stories. There's a lot of things going on in the uh, gold and silver market, things coming out with uh, Goldman Sachs. If not, we can talk about uh, superheroes being cracked down on in uh, Hollywood. Love to. Let me pull it up here, and maybe in the next uh, after the next segment we can do it. Okay. And in the meantime, I'd love to hear about those superheroes. The superheroes. All right. So uh, Hollywood, I don't know if you've ever been out to uh, Chinese Man's Theater yes, in, I have. in L.A. They have people out there who are, uh, you know, dressed up like Superman or, um, oh, gosh, I think they would have Batman out there. And there's actually, Meg has shown me this documentary on the Superman character. And the guy is, is well, he's crazy, uh, pretty much. I mean, he talks about... Um, family that he doesn't have and you know just goes off on all these different tangents it's it's, it's interesting story and, and worth uh watching so from uh, cnn hollywood superhero community buzzed after batman's arrest wednesday <laughs> <laughs> just days after spider-man catwoman and at least a dozen others were taken into custody by los angeles police 
It's part of a police crackdown on unlicensed costume characters who pose for photos with tourists near Gunman or uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater while hoping for but not demanding small tips. Well, you know, you can't let these people run around unregulated. Why is that? Well, because they might rob somebody or they might... Uh, in, a, in a Superman outfit? Would that be the, the ideal disguise? I think to, so. To yeah, rob? because you have a mask to cover your <laughs> eyes. I mean, you could pull a gun and you could, you could hold anybody up. In a, and then they'd say, Superman robbed me, and Superman would be accused wrongly of robbing somebody. And they could never catch him because <laughs> he's Superman. Don't you think they'd look for the guy running away in the Superman in the he bright He wouldn't be red running cape? away. He'd be flying away. Oh. And the cops couldn't catch him. Uh, Wayne, you know that that wasn't actually Bill Cosby that called in in the last. It wasn't. No, he was he was pretending. These the Superman. He's not real. It's not the real Superman. Oh, I'd love to have him call in, and maybe we can talk to him. <laughs> All right. So you know, this is outrageous. The the, the uh, these guys have been out there. I don't know for how long. A, a number of years here. And now, all of a sudden, the police have decided, well, we need to crack down. Maybe they're trying to make up their uh, financial shortfall in the socialist uh, state of California. Uh, it's pretty it's our- clever, if you ask me. Don't you think it's pretty clever to dress up to, to make a little extra money? I they, mean, Yeah, I mean, they, they make a living. I think they add to the environment down there. You know, I've walked around Hollywood. There's not a lot to see down there. Um the, a lot of the kids want to do this kind of thing. They have the same thing at, at Disney World, Disneyland, and, and other uh, Six Flags. And you pay the big bucks parks. to get into those places. Yeah, you pay big bucks. And, and they obviously that's something that people want. So these guys are out there doing it for free. They're not demanding money for it, but they do ask that, you know, if you're taking pictures that you tip them and that sort of thing. And they'll do a little show for you. Probably you ha- Batman you. probably has a little tip uh, compartment on, a, on his uh, weapons belt there. <laughs> I don't know. I, they, they talked about that in the uh, documentary, but let's get back to the story here. Uh, tourists are, are going, where are all the characters? Uh, Hollywood was, uh, was clear that the characters... Hollywood Boulevard was clear of the characters, but filled with uh, tourists Thursday. Actors, usually in costume, wore street clothes, fearing police would arrest them otherwise. So apparently the actors are out there doing the the same thing, and uh, they're just not wearing the uniform because, you know, leave it to the police to uh, profile people. Look, keep, we got an APB out. Anybody wearing a superhero's costume, I need you to arrest them and, and harass them. Uh, like Superman, Dennis is uh, is seen as a powerful figure because he... He has a level of uh, of fame. He was featured in Confessions of a Superhero, the 2007 documentary about the lives and dreams of these street performers. That's the one I was uh, referring to. Uh, when Dennis donned his lights and cape for the short visit to the boulevard Thursday afternoon, he was the only character there. We'll uh, come back, find out what's happening to the superheroes in L.A., and take your calls if you make them to Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. We'll be back. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into our number three of the Sunday edition of the show. Tonight, it is Sam here with you. And Wayne. And it is the show about your calls. You can call in, bring up anything. The number tonight is 603-435-1105. So tonight, Wayne, you wanted to uh, jump into 
a little bit of the, or I wanted to also talk about the finances and kind of what's going on with the general economy. I think that's important for uh, people to really understand because it seems to me when I look around the world today uh, that, you know, America seems to be doing all right right now. And I think what's happening, though, is as some of the, uh, the, the U.S. dollar is still tapping its strength as the world's reserve currency. So it's whether as bad as things are here in the United States, people still have the impression around the world that, oh, America is this big, great country. They'll net, they're too big to fail. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to be around forever. So what I should do, because my fiat currency, my smaller, less powerful uh, fiat currency is failing, I'm going to go, you know, be the rat that runs up the ship to the, to the highest point to be the last one to go into the water. That's a good analogy for it. Yeah, and it's it's the that they're they're flocking to the U.S. dollar, which has been driving it up in the indexes lately. But uh, the the financial shape, when you look at it in in detail, the United States is not much better off than Great Britain, mm-hmm. and Great Britain is no better off than uh, Greece, who is you know having riots in the street and and they're they're bankrupt. There are major problems there. There are allegations of uh, Goldman Sachs in there meddling with them that they loaned them, gave them a secret loan in the billions of dollars. To... So they could cook their books and actually get into the Eurozone mm-hmm. years ago. And there's a few other countries in that same position. And of course, they are not as as productive as, as a country like France or Germany, Germany probably being the most productive. Right. And this is a monetary union, not necessarily a political union, although they're making it more of a political union. But I've always felt, and I think, and I've agreed with a lot of people who have said that they didn't have a lot of faith long term in the euro, even though the euro was temporarily pretty strong compared to the dollar. It was. They're both created from nothing, backed by nothing, and and both face a value of zero eventually. So all people are doing is jumping from one uh, life raft uh, to to a sinking dinghy, and and well, or to one that's already full of people that can't take on any more folks coming into it, and they're just throwing more and more on, and it, yeah, it is sinking. So right now, temporarily, the dollar is a little stronger compared to the the euro. But then, if you look at dollar in terms of gold, gold's at an all time high in dollar terms as well as euro terms. It's just that the euro is doing worse against gold than the dollar is right now. So in the long run, the dollar is still backed by nothing. They're still printing up trillions of it and, and shoveling out all over the world. And and uh, funding programs here. California is in worse shape than Greece. California, the state of California, is probably three times worse off than Greece was. Yep. And yep. it's only a matter of time. And that brings us to our story. Well, and I. But before we jump into that, we're going to actually talk about some of the cities. I I, I think it's important to point out to people um, the sort of the levels that are involved here. I mean, we've got the federal government who has the power to print money. So they never run out. I mean, the value of the money keeps going down because they keep printing it and spending it on this worthless crap. But, uh, when it comes to the state level, they, they get a lot of money from the federal government, but they are somewhat, uh, have to be somewhat financially responsible. And that's, that was the whole idea behind the Eurozone, by the way is that you had a, a central bank of Europe, and then all the countries in Europe came, became like U.S. states. They had to balance their budgets. Mm-hmm. They had to be financially responsible because they couldn't print their way out of, of financial problems. Except the problem with the, with the concept seems to be that uh, in giving up, in, in joining the EU, they give up a lot of their 
ability to do the things that that governments typically like to do to sort of control the economy and keep it in check, keep it from sinking because of all the government regulations and things that are being forced on the uh, the inhabitants of that geo, you know imaginary right. geographic line that they've drawn. And in the eurozone now, about eighty to ninety percent of all the laws are actually passed by unelected bureaucrats, and yep. and that's a problem. The other thing is if you're going to have central economic planning like a central bank, the more decentralized it is, the better. For example, having 50 central banks for each state in the U.S., even though central banking isn't the best thing, is still better than having one, the Fed, because each region of the country, just like every region or area of Europe, has different needs for money, different needs for different interest rates. And when you have a one-size-fits-all top-down policy some areas don't do as well as others, and, and for good reason. Exactly. So getting back to uh, the the cities, uh, well, we're going to get there eventually. But so we have the federal government, prints money, the states are somewhat responsible, and then a level below that you've got county and then city. And the same thing happens. They, they have to be even more financially responsible because and, the county only gets so much money uh, dispersed out to them from the state government. And the the uh, local mun- municipalities or the cities are getting also getting money directly from the state. Mm-hmm. And gets it from the feds, yeah. it, tr- it trickles down, so to speak. See, when people start talking negatively about trickle-down economics, I always say, well, the Soviet Union had trickle-down economics, too. <laughs> and so do governments. Worked well for them. For a while. But the, the cities have all got dependent. Got, they've gotten dependent, very dependent in the last 10 years from rising property taxes, which they didn't recognize as being unsustainable. Right, and so which, they've raised their fixed costs a lot now. Yeah, which came out out of the uh, the housing bubble, which you know was more speculation and and uh, Money monkey printing. business going on by mm. these uh, brokerage houses that were out there uh, running these prices up, knowing that they're controlling the market, knowing that they're using uh, government influence and so forth to uh, create this huge bubble that they profit on the way up and and consolidate. And uh, capture property in the in the collapse phase. And you know these financial bubbles, which are inflation, they they basically when they first start out. There's actually a really good book on this called "When Money Dies" by Genzo Parsons. You can look it up on Amazon.com, or uh, was it free uh, freetalklive.amazon.freetalklive.com. Yep. Anyway, in the book it talks about how in the beginning of an inflation or a bubble, everybody likes it because their, oh, their yeah. property values are going hey, up, their stocks good. are going up, Big party. and, they're, and they're, the food prices and consumer goods are not going up. Sometimes they're even going down, but the things that they care about are going up, so they think it's great. But, but what happens over time is that uh, when this bubble reaches a certain point, it becomes destructive. Mm-hmm. You get the, the negative side, which is basically all of the things that you need to sell uh, to, to raise money are going down. Some people call it uflation. Everything you want to sell is going down in price. Everything you want to buy is going up in price. Yeah, the analogy that I've heard that I really like is um, along these lines. People are used to, in this country, getting a raise every year for a cost of living increase. Of mm-hmm. you know, They get an extra 4 or 5%, maybe it's 9 or 10. Uh, and they're, they're used to that. They've, they grow accustomed to it, and they kind of have come to expect it. Especially the, the government workers. The, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the unions dictate that. And, and for a while, if you think about how the, the so-called growth was, you think, okay, that's probably about right because that's how every, you know, the private sector was growing like that for a while, too, especially during the dot-com boom. Mm-hmm. The private sector wages were actually rising faster than public wages at that point. Well, I think nowadays people are going to have to uh, learn to do the opposite, that each year for the next several years are going, they're going to have less money. They're going to have to do more with just less. slightly less because 
not you know it's not going to be that they're going to get paid less from their job but inflation is going to eat away at the purchasing power all of the spending from obama from bush from big government from you know keeping troops in 700 uh, or uh, 130 countries with 700 military bases around the world is very expensive and they governments cannot pay for funding a big aggressive uh, military and, 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 a, and an empire, basically, without a fiat currency. Well, there's also, uh, worldwide, uh, I saw a chart recently where there's about $1.5 to $1.6 quadrillion in derivatives, both the secret under-the-table ones and the known-about yeah. ones. And so a lot of these derivatives are collapsing, and so a lot of the money that's just being thrown out there, the trillions, is just going down a black hole. Now, derivatives, that's a word that I think a lot of listeners have probably heard but may not know exactly what that is. Can you describe that a little bit for them? It's a security based upon something happening. For example, I can buy a security to insure myself against uh, my house burning down, for example, which is it's like insurance, but it's, it's a, it, they can bet on almost anything. Okay. So you have all these, these, uh, these bets that are being made by all these people. The problem is, is that sometimes when something happens, too many people are, are stand to be paid off and can't be paid. And that's what you have going on now. Because they're, the, the commodity that they're backing up with, they're basically... There's not enough of it. Yeah. Well, they're telling people they have more than they do, maybe. In some cases, yes. Okay. Well, we'll get into this and talk about what's going on at the local level and how this affects you when we return. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is the show about your calls, if you make them. Tonight, it is Sam here with you. And Wayne. And we're doing the Sunday edition of the show. Ian and Mark are taking the night off, and the monkeys have taken over the control room. (laughs) (laughs) We've had Bill Cosby call in and talk about uh, dolphins taking over the world, apparently. That's a concern. (laughs) And uh, in the last hour, we've been, uh, or well, since the, the top of the hour, we've been uh, going through talking about sort of the financial situation. I think this is a really important uh, topic to talk about. It doesn't get a lot of coverage on uh, on Free Talk Live during the week and on the Saturday show. Uh, but it's something I think that's going to impact a lot of people. And, and I think um, it's also something that people can prepare for. And can you can, there are things that... You can do if you see what's coming to uh, to be prepared so that it, it impacts you and your family and your community much less. And uh, so we've been talking about that. We're going to go through a, a number of, of uh, stories here. Of course, it is the, still the show about your calls. If you want to call in, you can bring up anything and change the subject. 603-435-1105. Long distance charges may apply. Um, so Wayne, we've been uh, we've been sort of breaking down the difference here between you know the federal government, which can print the money and and is just almost completely unaccountable, the state governments, which get a bunch of money from the federal government, but kind of have to sort of balance their books. There's some accountability there, but there's still bail, implied bailouts and and ways to get around that to some degree. Mm-hmm. And then I hear about well, there's also municipal and county governments which also take money from the state, and the county sometimes gives money to the city and and so forth. Uh, but they're all sort of uh, going after the same pie, and that pie is well, it's, it's your labor, it's yeah. your labor that they're that they're taking and that they're buying and selling and trading off with each other, because well, I guess they own you if they own the the fruits of your labor. At least they own that portion. What if you're not you. working? What if you're unemployed? 
Well, that, so what I'm saying is the pie is shrinking. It is absolutely. So, so they're all fighting for a shrinking pie, and now they're, it's kind of like a shark that that's been beached and it's flailing around on the on the shore and can't get back in the water. Exactly. And the one phrase that I hear that sort of uh, the the way the bureaucrats describe it is is unfunded mandates. And the unfunded mandate basically means uh, one of the higher ups. So if it's the state government, the federal government's coming in saying you've got to do real ID and you, it has to have your system has to have all of these checks in it. And uh, we're not going to give you any money, but you just you have to do it anyway. We say so. And boy, let me tell you, the politicians think that this is the most unfair thing that uh, how can they do this to us mm-hmm. we need money to pay for this we 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 can't you know just go out in the backyard and pull money off the money tree how could they place all of these requirements on us and force us to 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 comply with all of these things without paying us to do it wayne it, you know i must say that that during the whole real id thing well, even though i don't agree with our current governor on a lot of things one thing that he did say and i think he meant it was that a lot of the governors were saying that they didn't want real ID because it was an unfunded mandate. But, of course, if they got the money, it would be okay. But our governor actually said, yeah, it's unfunded, but the people of New Hampshire don't want it, so we're not going to do it. Which- yeah, you know, I, I, I heard that, but I also heard him sort of sidestep the issue of if it was funded, would you accept it or would you still turn it down? And he wouldn't answer that question. So Interesting. I think he's just another slimy politician. Slimy politician. But the thing I want to point out here is, you know, you've got the politicians screaming bloody murder over these unfunded mandates. Well, what do they think every single law is to begin with? It's an unfunded mandate on you. Yes. You have to do it. You Whether it's collecting sales receipts or when you get a new job, filling out paperwork for the government, they're not paying you to do all that work. They're not paying your employer to keep track of all of your hours and all of the taxes and collect that money and then... Uh, have their accountants because you know the tax code is now so complex that it's almost impossible to navigate you through. Have so you have so-called experts to yeah. You have to hire yeah. the experts who even the, the IRS when you call in and ask them question gets it wrong a majority of the time on their own their own laws their own tax code. It's so ridiculous. Um, so yeah, and, and you talk about the pie is shrinking. The the it's happening in so many ways and people think that government's going to be there to take care of them. I mean, that's, that's the reason we do it right to keep us all safe and to help the unfortunate. Well, guess what? As, as the sort of uh, the business cycle created by the fiat money system takes its turn for the worse. And we start to go into a recession or even a depression is what I believe this is. Uh, As these things get worse, you end up with, more people out of work. Right now, those numbers are uh, the official U3 numbers around 10%, but the real unemployment number, if it was reported like it was in the 1980s, is around 20%. Right. And then if you also add to it the birth-death model numbers, because every month they make up a number of new jobs that were created, yes, which they, is totally fictional. Yeah. They added that in 2004 to fix the numbers, and it's it's not based on anything other than an estimate that I... Uh, the labor union or department makes up. Yes, and so if you factor all that in, it's over 22%, according to John Williams of shadowstats.com, who has got a pretty good handle on, on all the numbers, which is, is pretty, that's, that, it, was, it was about 25% during the so-called Great Depression. Yeah. And at 22.4%, that's pretty darn close. And we had millions of people in the, uh, the bread lines. That was the trademark. This is, see, this is what people think. A lot of people, I think, you know, the the indoctrinated masses 
think, well, we're we're not in a depression. There are no there are no bread lines, no people uh, standing outside waiting for food. Well, no, because now they have the modern day bread lines. They're they're called food stamps, mm-hmm. and it's a little credit card that you go to the grocery store and get free food. And there are now what forty million Americans on food stamps. It's more efficient than than the lines were. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. Takes less bureaucrats to uh, to run the lines, I guess. Well, the bureaucrats are just hidden; you don't see them, but they're, they're still yeah, there. Yeah, they're still back there, they're still collecting there. their seventy percent probably to run the program. And that brings us also to the. Uh, you probably read the story recently about the census uh, employees being hired and then fired and rehired, right? Which they could churn the unemployment numbers that way. Yeah. Because- see, the the unemployment figures the government has, seems to me from the news reports that I've heard they're really bl- banking on well. The economy's turning around because we're getting hiring. Hiring is happening. The job numbers look good for a couple months there a while back. But but how are they? Why is it that they look good, Wayne? What's going on with that? Uh, the the unemployment numbers, you mean? Yeah. Well, this uh, government is growing. It, it, right now, the next big financial bubble is government because the government is printing money and hiring people, whether it's Homeland Security or census mm-hmm. workers or whatever. And I remember during around 2003, 2004, there, after 9-11 and all that, they were talking about the so-called jobless recovery. Right. So they blew up the real estate bubble, but but they, which you forgot, a lot of people forgot about was they formed the Department of Homeland Security, the TSA. You know, they, so the government bubble actually started on a big time under under Bush, and it's just continuing under Obama. Mm-hmm. So at one time, we had about three people who worked in manufacturing for every person who worked for the federal government. Now there are more people working for the federal government than work in manufacturing in this country. Wow. That is scary. We're graduating about 10 lawyers for every engineer. That's scary. And in the long term, you can't produce with those kinds of numbers. You can't produce things that people want to buy and create real wealth. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it it tends to trickle down here. And when you get to the local level, these people, in order to raise money, have to have a good credit rating because they do it through bond. Yes. They go out to the market and offer up the project and then have to pay people back. Well, that's starting to fall apart, and we're going to get into that story and take your calls when you return. This is the Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. Call in about anything, 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live, Sunday edition. It is the show about your calls if you make them. The 603-435-1105. Tonight, it is Sam here with you. And Wayne. And we are going to go to your calls, since it is the show about your calls. And we'll get back to the the financial sort of rundown that uh, we're doing here for you with the rest of the show. But first, we want to talk to Rob in Ontario. Rob, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, thanks, gentlemen. Hey, thank I'm going to be head, heading down and to uh, check out uh, New Hampshire in the summer. Okay. Are you coming and for uh, Pork Fest or? No, unfortunately not. Okay. Um, yes. But uh, I'll be down uh, end of July, beginning of, of August. And I was thinking of heading to Portsmouth because uh, it's on the coast. Yep. A- and uh, I'm wondering if you would make any recommendations about some fun things to do while in that area. Wayne, do you have any uh, suggestions? I'm not a local here. I moved from Texas. Mm. I've I've been out to Portsmouth. It's a it's a beautiful town, very um, New Englandy, even Picturesque. more so I think than Keene. You have a lot of the the downtown area with the two story buildings, and the, it's all very pretty and painted. And uh, 
uh, some wealthy uh, people out there in affluent areas and so forth. Um, well, you can take a ride up to Maine. It's very Maine is very close too. There's uh, there's the beach. The beach is beautiful up there. Okay. There's a lot of great restaurants. I haven't been there in a long time. I'm um, I sort of stay on this side of New Hampshire pretty much. I usually don't go any farther east than than Manchester or, or Concord. But everybody that I know who lives out there really likes it. So. Um, I, I would highly recommend. Now, are there any other areas of Keene, or, or I'm sorry, of New Hampshire that you're looking at besides? Port, well, we're going to be Portsmouth? driving through uh, Manchester, um, coming in through uh, via New York State. I see. So you're and, flying into uh, New York. Now, no, I'm driving. Oh, you're driving. Okay. Yeah. So, are you going to uh, look for work in a specific field? No, I'm just I'm just sort of checking the area out. Okay, because. Uh, it, yeah, because depending on your profession, that can also determine where best to live. For example, if you're an individual entrepreneur, you can live almost anywhere. But right. if you're, let's say, a computer programmer, you'd want to be in the Boston Tech Corridor, which would be the Manchester Nashua. area. Where you, yeah, Nashua, where you could get in close to Boston quickly if, if, if let's say, you're the corporate uh, headquarters of the, of the company you work for. There's a lot of companies in that area that, that are hiring programmers still that, where you could do pretty well, and you don't want to be too far away from that. But it just depends on what you do for work. Gotcha. All right, well, it gives me some ideas. Yeah, the <laughs> the other thing, I know there is a, the, the people who have moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project have sort of organized into little local areas. Uh, you know, they're generally um, around the social meetups. In, in Keene, we have uh, social Sundays. In uh, Manchester, they do Taproom Tuesdays. And I know there's something out there on the coast. I think it's a it's an older crowd. They do more of a, like a dinner type thing. Okay. I, I don't don't know how often they do that. I think they have some kind of regular meetup. And if that's an area that you're really thinking about uh, living in, I would suggest you find a way to connect with those folks. Uh, your best bet, though, might be to try the uh, Free State Project. Uh, forums at freestateproject.org and uh, just sort of ask around, say, hey, I'm, I'm coming down to uh, to the Portsmouth area. I want to meet some activists. Are there any events going on during the dates you're going to be there? And, and I'm sure you'll get some responses from that. The other factor, by the way, is that if you're more of a politico, if you believe in, in changing things through the political system, there are more politicos in the the eastern parts like Portsmouth and even Concord and Manchester Whereas the keen area is a little bit more the civil disobedience type people. It, there's no right or wrong there. It, it just depends on what you want to gravitate to, and that could affect your decision as well. Here you go. Hey, good. Well, I'm going to check out a, a couple areas, but uh, thanks very much for the advice. Okay. Anything else on your mind? No, that's, that's great. I'm, I love listening to the show. Okay. Thank you for the call. Take- All right. We will, uh, let's go unscreened to the uh, phone lines and see who th- who's this. You're on Hello. Free Talk Live. Hello, this is Renegade. Hey, Renegade, where are you calling from? Uh, New Jersey. And what's on your mind tonight? Uh, yeah, um, I'm pretty glad about the new whole uh, Sunday show format. And I guess, yeah, I think you guys are doing a pretty good job. Thank uh, you. I just wanted to talk about a few things, which which probably would be a bit too complicated for the regular show. Uh, what I wanted to talk about is the the uh the whole non-violent you know like the the whole non-violent approach towards going uh, you know achieving liberty okay uh so what do you guys think about that i'm all for it me too that's <laughs> that's the best way to go that's how gandhi succeeded 
And you're, right. you're of course, talking about uh, basically disobeying and, and not doing it in a secretive way, but sort of openly disobeying and, and, and sort of sharing that idea that, hey, maybe the answer to bringing about lasting change is to educate people first off. First and foremost is to educate people that the government can't do all of these things that they're promising because they're, they're funded in force. I mean, they're funded by theft. If I go out and I rob a bank and then I run across the street into a children's hospital and I give that money over to the children's hospital and it saves the lives of five kids, does it make what I did right? No, because I went and robbed a bank to begin with. I, I, I stole the money in order to do the good deeds. So, you know, how it's not the Buddhists have a thing that they call uh, right action, which are things right. that bring about uh, that, that are based in compassion and love for one another. And and stealing from people is not right action. It doesn't matter what I do after that with the ill-gotten gains. It's still theft. It's aggression. So I, I think absolutely, you know, the peaceful, nonviolent, uh, peaceful, peaceful co- non-cooperation is really, I think, the answer along with the education and the enlightenment that, that is required because— People have to sort of step out of their paradigm. They have to expand their perspective, expand their 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 view on the world. Uh, so, so yeah, I completely agree with you on this whole point. But what my what my the question to you guys is: How do you guys um, explain to someone who, you know, like in 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 terms of libertarian philosophy, it's perfectly morally just. To respond to initiation of aggression with aggression. So if someone steals your property, you have a moral right to punish them uh, as long as the punishment is proportional to the crime. So when someone I Well, you, I don't know if I would call it a moral right, but I think uh, most people would view that as you being justified in, in justified, taking okay, force back justified. to get your property. Yeah. Right. So, so the question, when someone asks the question that uh, like, like I think a lot of people do ask uh, Ian and Mark this question, and that is that uh, if someone if if someone steals my property, I have a I, I'm justified in punishing him and you know getting a restitution. Mm-hmm. So why cannot violence be used against the state? And I know they uh, like they say the reason, but how do you guys explain it? Like you know, oh. like why shouldn't we use violence against the state? But it's okay in any other scenario. That is uh. where that's that's the critical education and enlightenment component of uh, peaceful non cooperation of civil disobedience. It's it's one thing to just go out and break the laws, but if you're not bringing about the conversation, bringing people along with you so that they can understand, this is why government trying attempting to to provide this service or uh to to fund this program or to support this charity is is a immoral act um i don't know i've lost my train of thought wayne do you want to jump in (laughs) oh yeah i guess i remembered what i was saying you really you have to um you have to educate people as to why it's important to let the market handle that otherwise you just end up they will naturally go back to the right. same system that we have today because right. they think it's all uh, there is. Right, right. So, like in this in this regard, uh, like this is a very like something about which I think a lot in 
Right. I realized that, you know, using violence against the state will never result in what we really want. Mm -hmm. So for the whole thing, I've been trying to, you know, revise whole Gandhism in the sense to re-see what Gandhi said and talked about compared, like, you know, in a new light, in in the new light of libertarianism. Okay. Hold on just a second, Renegade. We'll, uh, We'll address that when we get back. Uh, we'll go into Gandhi and peaceful non-cooperation a little more on Free Talk Live. Call in, share your spot, 603. This is the final segment of the Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. If you're going to make your calls, you better make them now at 603-435-1105. You can call in, bring up anything. Tonight, it's Sam here with you. And Wayne. And we are going to go back to the phone calls. We had uh, Renegade call in at the uh, there, during the last segment and asked about sort of non-cooperation and, and what is the answer really when, uh, when you've got people who are so locked into the government paradigm of using force and using violence and, and accepting that as being okay. And, you know, what happens to the nonviolent uh, or the... Um, I guess, the libertarian idea when it comes to the government, Mm -hmm. because they're the ones aggressing against peaceful people all the time. But when they do it, if you fight back, well, they'll just call call in reinforcements and they'll kill you if they need to. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. Well, there are martial arts that that actually address this, too. (laughs) Jiu-Jitsu, Aikido deal with basically using the the attacker's energy against them. So when you don't cooperate... That's essentially what you're doing. You you can basically uh, cause them to um, throw themselves, so to speak. Yeah. Well, then I think government would just pull out the taser <laughs> and take you down at this point. Well, true. But Gandhi got Br- Great Britain out of his country by doing this because they they're not really trained to respond. Uh, they, yeah, to- they don't know how quite how to handle it. Uh, what Gandhi did, I think, that was so. Um, uh, revolutionary and, and renegade you're back with us feel free to to jump in at any time here sure, sure. Uh, is he he took and put the violence in the forefront you know at the salt mines exactly that's that's uh i'm, I'm trying to do a you know a revision of gandhian philosophy mm-hmm. and from what i have uh, understood is that gandhi mastered the art of um of exposing the violence, like, yes. you know, what he did was, if you go and fight someone who is aggressing against you and has a moral authority on it, I mean, I'm not saying that we give them the moral authority, but when you go out and try to take down a tax IRS guy, everyone already thinks that they are right in collecting the taxes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then when you do well, some it, sort of violence and it's, it's, against... It's not that they think that win. they're right. But it's it's the slave on slave mentality that Stefan Molyneux right, introduced right, right. me to, and that hey, I'm jumping through all the hoops here, buddy. Why are you trying to cheat me out of pay? Why are you trying to cheat us all out of paying your fair share? Right, right. right, right. If I'm being robbed, then you have to be robbed too. Yep. <laughs> From what I understood is that if you if you want to understand Gandhi, and, uh, Gandhi, uh, I would say was if he lived uh, like for all these years. He would have become uh, anarcho-libertarian, you know, I'm pretty sure of that. I would he hope so. He has supported anarchism a lot, and what his conclusion was, it's, it's like, you know, how we have in libertarianism two approaches, 
based on utilitarianism and natural rights libertarianism. Okay. So Gandhian's approach would be called the third approach, which is based on nonviolence, as in the only society which has the least amount of violence in it is a society, a justified nonviolent society, is a society of pure liberty, that is an anarchist society. Mm -hmm. So this is what I understand from Gandhi, uh, Gandhian philosophy is. And the one simple principle which will help you a lot in differentiating, in deciding whether or not uh, uh, you sh should you use violence against an individual or not, is simple as that. When your aggressor's moral right and wrong are twisted around, just uh, trying to uh, fight them back using violence is not going to result in anything. Yeah, and what Gandhi and, did, I think, that was, to me, was so powerful, or was the, the salt mines where he had the people show up, they line up in rows of two as far as the eye can see, and, they, and then they're all wearing white. And they go up one at a time to get clubbed in the face and the blood's flowing on the white fabric and the people are being taken off and cared for on the sides. And I mean, it just makes the most fa fantastic picture mm -hmm. for the media to really show this is how far they're willing to go. Yes. But more importantly, those guards sitting there clubbing people in the face one after another, I've got to think that that reaches through past all of their indoctrination and their programming and their exactly. nonsense to, to connect with, hey, I'm a human being, and here I am clubbing other human exactly. beings in the face because my to, over, over being right, over my authority, over what this other right. guy is doing, so I can, can collect a paycheck. Right. Hey, the, he forced uh, the thugs to act like thugs. Yep. Exactly. That's called exposing it. Like, you know, if Gandhi would stand in front of uh, an aggressor, and simply say that I'm, I'm, I'm sworn that I'm not going to use any violence against any individual. Now, let's see who is the violent person here. And then obviously it's going to be turning out to be the soldier standing in front of him mm -hmm. who is saying you can't make salt against the government's permission. So uh, another thing which I wanted to talk about is that Gandhi himself did not use the term civil disobedience. I mean, he spoke English, but mm -hmm. uh, the term civil disobedience, according to him, did not describe what he really want, what he what he really stood for, okay. and it was pretty surprising for me. Uh, like you know, the term he used was satyagraha. It's a Hindi term, yep. and from what I understand, is the difference is that let's say you are a you know you're an environmentalist, you are standing in front of the BP and just uh, are in in front of the state house and just protesting that all the oil companies must be nationalized and everything should be nationalized and you're trying to do civil disobedience or something. Now, that is still civil disobedience, but you understand that there's something really wrong about that kind of thing. What they're asking for is wrong things to uh, civil disobedience. So that's why he coined the term called Satyagraha, in which you stand for the right thing, the, the truth. And the truth is, that this is violence, and we are not in favor of the state violence, like the violence I see. created by the state. Yeah, so it's so, really a, it's a method of not so much arguing within the uh, within the paradigm that that's laid out for any given issue in the in the same way that you know like traditional media would talk about it, or the politicians would say, "Well, we we need this panel to uh, to control it, or we need this set of laws or these regulations, and that will make everything okay. We'll we'll get the right people in there; they will fix it." But really, his approach to civil disobedience is to point out what's called the the gun in the room is to really show 
look, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm not harming anybody. And look at what these people are willing to do. Isn't it funny Uh, how how the establishment media and even the educational system over the years, because I remember even when I went to school, they equate the word anarchy with chaos. When the real chaos occurs when government gets too big, when the state becomes big, the real chaos happens. Hundreds of millions of people are killed. Um, because the environment gets destroyed. They become more and more incompetent. And the assumption out there is that government's in charge and, and providing all these things and keeping us safe when in effect they're, they're not, they're, they're failing at it. And because they've granted themselves this monopoly, nobody else can step in to fill the gaps. Yep. And then chaos occurs because they prevent spontaneous order from occurring. Right. Gandhi, uh, actually, uh, to be honest, Gandhi's, uh, the whole concept of Satyagraha transcended just, uh, you know, the, the non-cooperation. Like, you know, just, it's, it's not just that you stop uh, following the government's orders and stuff. You go a little bit beyond that. It, 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 it incorporates a lot more things. And that is essentially, first of all, one, one thing which you may find really surprising is that Gandhi did not hate any individual who was aggressing in, against him. Yeah, that's that something really we've all. Essential. Yeah, we. That's that, that's, that's something really the. Uh, that's something the key. That's the only way you could change the mind, hearts and minds of those people. Exactly. So like, if uh, you you must have heard the you know quote which says hate the sin hate the sin not the sinner. So I guess Gandhi would say it in his words. It would be hate the state not the status. You, you know, know like, renegade. There's a there's somebody called Peace Pilgrim, a lady who went around the uh, United States with no money. Uh, wherever people would have her, she didn't eat unless somebody offered her a meal. She would sleep on the side of the road unless somebody offered her a place to stay. And I, I think these journeys, these these pilgrimages that people go on, they, they sort of come to the same conclusion. And the way that she phrased it is, hate only hurts the hater, not the hated. And it's so true because the guy, you know, that you're angry at may not have any idea that you're angry at him. And he's certainly not going to probably lose sleep at night and let it eat at him. And, and, oh, God, I'm so mad. I can't believe this guy does this. And, yeah, they're getting away with it. and And people just have these internal dialogues that sort of consume them and fill them with rage and anger. And it only it's it's harming you. It's not hurting the other person. It only eats away at your at your soul, really. One last example I wanted to give is uh, which explains to elaborate for what I just the principle. I just Better gave. do it quick. And, uh, yeah. So let's say if an IRS guy comes to your house to take the taxes from you, and he's doing it for the state, he thinks he's doing the right thing. If you respond to him with violence, that's not going to work out. Well, right. Let's see if the same guy... Now, I'm afraid we are out of time. Uh, Renegade, thank you for the call. Feel free to call back in Monday. Tonight it's been Sam I Am with you. And Wayne, thank you. This is Free Talk. 